Father God, because you love the church, you sent your son Jesus to come and rescue your own, the church, the called out ones. And so we ask, because you love us, that you'd send your spirit into this room with such power that we could have you speak to us, your beloved. Remind us this morning how crazy you are about us in Christ Jesus. Speak in a way that breaks our hearts afresh towards your love. For those who are broken, for those who are hurting, God, meet them and love them well. For all of us, challenge us deeply. God, we're in a study here trying to figure out what does it mean to love you with with everything we have, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and, and today all of our strength. Father, today be my strength. May my heart be filled with you, my soul resting in you, my mind fixed on you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Several weeks ago, as I was getting ready for this series, uh, uh, I had the privilege of getting away with God and wrestling with Him and, and praying. And one of the gifts God gave me was a book. I don't know about you, I love biographies. Specifically, I love the biographies of men and women of faith who have gone before us or maybe still in our midst who, who just love Jesus and in the midst of their brokenness and pain, they're serving Him. Well, a book that really greatly shaped this whole sermon series, I mean, obviously God's Word and, and uh, uh, prayer and some time with Him, was a book by a doctor, Helen Rosevere. She wrote a book, a little easy book. You can read it uh, in about a weekend. It's called Living Sacrifice. Basically, it's how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sound familiar? Uh, Amazing woman. Uh, She was born in England in in 1925. While she was studying medicine at Cambridge, she comes to Christ. And she came to Christ, she realized, which we hope that these young people do. And by the way, are they not a part of our church? Do they not scatter out of here in a hurry? I mean, Wow. Um, she realized that God was calling her to serve the Lord with everything she had. So she went to Africa. She went to Africa as a medical missionary. She went to the Congo. I mean, it was dark. She was there through the 60s, and she went through a lot of political unrest. And I mean, the countless cases that she had to, to see, and she was brought so many sick, so many broken folks as a matter of fact, through some of the turmoils, right, 1964, for five months, she's imprisoned. She was taken captive and, and brutally beaten and multiple times raped. I mean, giving her life for Jesus in such an amazing way. And you want to say, God, this is one of your favorites. This is, this is one of your own. I mean, she's given everything for King Jesus and yet learned over and over and over again. Life is hard, even when you surrender all. But the amazing thing was, she said, I had a whole paradigm shift of what it meant to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. She says, I went as a missionary thinking I had it figured out. That's why I'm going, because I love him so much. And as she went, she realized her life was being poured out in all kinds of ways. And the one thing she said in each one of these, it was different. Loving the Lord your God with all your strength was so much different than she thought. It, made, it included making bricks. Becoming an auto mechanic. 
It included trying to build structures that their folks can live in and maybe build an infirmary. It included going into surgery with blistered hands because of making bricks and just the sting of having the alcohol poured upon her to prepare her for surgery. And she learned afresh, love me with all your strength. Today we're going to look at what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength. And there's, there's really two parts of this. There's, there's the no-brainer part of the sermon, and then there's the warp speed part of the sermon. You need both parts. You need the no-brainer. Um, the no-brainer says this. We need to love the Lord our God with all of our strengths, the things that He's given us. But the amazing part of this sermon, really, when we can get this in a gospel-soaked kind of way, is that God is here today to tell us that not only do I want to love you to love me with all of your strength, but I want you to love me with all of your weaknesses. And I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be so rich in your life, so powerful in your heart, that you and I, because of what Christ has done, because of His blood and His righteousness, because of who we are as children of God, He wants us to now be able to live our lives with unveiled faces, to be truthful about even our weaknesses. And to love Him with our weaknesses so the strength of Jesus can shine through. So loving the Lord your God with all your strength. You want to follow along your bulletin? It's there for you, an outline. is loving God with all your strength, but also it's to learn to love God with all of your weakness. Let's talk about the strength part. This is the easy part. For some of you who have a leaning toward Phariseeism, uh, I'm there as well. Uh, this will sound really good. You can say, okay, good stuff, practical stuff. But for all of us, we got to hear this weakness part too. The first one is this, loving God with the first fruits of our strength. Proverbs 3.9. This is what Proverbs 3.9 says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. God deserves, because He's God and who He is and what He's done, He deserves for us to love Him with the first fruits of all of our lives. Well, first fruits, uh, we're not farmers here, probably don't know that, that phrase very well. It's basically saying this. To love God with all your strength is to give Him the best, the first fruits of your time, of your talent, and of your treasures. That's really what it means, uh, those three things. Well, loving God with all the strength of your time. Giving God the best time of your day. The best time of your schedule. Making sure that loving God with all your strength is that He is not just giving leftovers. But He's going to get the best part of the day. For me, that means this. It means the first part of the day. If I'm going to have any time with Jesus, any time with our triune God, it's going to be in my chair, in my study, before the sun comes up. And it's time where no one else is going to be calling me or trying to get to me or anything like that. And when I can love Him with all of the first fruits of my time, it's the beginning of the day. There's nothing like it. But it goes beyond that. Loving God with the first fruits of our time even includes our weekly schedule. Let me tell you a story. Story about somebody here in this church. I'm going to tell you a few stories about people in our church today. I've gotten permission for most of them. The first one is this. Eric and Lisa Appen came to Christ here at Orangewood. They were baptized here at Orangewood. They've been growing like weeds here at Orangewood. And man, has it been great. Growing in Christ, I guess I should say. And has it been wonderful to see. Uh, God has had given them a, a, a business. Uh, it's a, a business of uh, um, plants and, and, and outdoor. Eric, help me out. What is it called? What is it like? Uh, a garden center. Thank you very much. Um, and so 
it's amazing. It's an awesome place. It's one of those places. It's one of two places in this town where I walk in. I have an immediate shift of personality. I love it. Costco is the other place. And uh, I don't know what it is. Those two places do it for me. But the Appens, they're coming. You know, you know how much percentage of their, their business is over the weekend? So I preached last fall this journey, uh, sacred journey, and I'm preaching on the Sabbath to keep it holy. And they get convicted that they should shut down on Sunday. And I'm trying to convince them, well, you know what? One day in seven's fine. Why don't you pick Monday? That's a good day. You know, not many people buying plants on Monday, probably. Like, no, we, we, we really feel God is calling us to shut this down on Sundays. Do you know that a customer came in and got in Lisa's face and said, let me tell you something. You say you're here to serve the community. You're, you, you can't serve the community and not be open on Sunday. She's serving something better than the community. Yes, she's serving this community by the way she serves Jesus. And loves Jesus. It's basically saying, I'm going to give. I'm going to give the best of my strength. Because I love him with all my strength. Even the best part of my day. Our man Steve Lash has been closing his Blue Book Autos for years on Sundays. He's never opened on Sundays. I mean, what a day. It's a prime day. He says, I'm not doing it. Scott Huber owns Bright Light Books. And says, I'm not opening on Sunday. I mean, those are three very tangible ways to love the Lord your God with all of your strength when it comes to time. Trust him. It's been amazing to hear them say uh, just a, a Sabbath and what that does. And it, it's not like immediately everything's turned on the dime for them, but they're honoring God. What a great picture. Um, not only with your time, but also with your treasures. Loving the Lord your God with the strength of your, I'm sorry, your talents. Let's go to talents next. How has God gifted you? What talents do you have? If you know John Gamici, you know there's no one better who loves dentistry. There's something wrong with John because he loves dentistry. He'll, he'll come over to your house, he'll get on your computer, and he wants to show you how he filled a root canal or did something. You know, you have no desire looking at this stuff. I mean, I don't want to look at anybody else's mouth ever. But he, he, he loves it, and that's what God has given him, a talent. Once a year, he does something called the dentistry from the heart. And he gives away free dentistry. First week in March, you know, he saw over 100 free clients. Many of you went and served. Many of you went and loved on the people who came and tried to tell them about Jesus. This year, Noah, if you know John, you know that he usually has his kids around. I love the fact he's always teaching them how to serve. And so Noah, uh, their third of four, uh, went with him. And he's out in the parking lot and he's seeing all the stuff that's going on. We got, we got Butch Doyle cooking burgers at six in the morning. Uh, we have all kinds of folks showing up. They were showing up the day before, over 24 hours in advance, waiting for free dentistry. On the way home, they asked, Noah, what'd you think of today? Because man, what a great day. All these people, dad is going to make so much money today. <laughs> Train them up well, John. But so many of you serve with the strength of your, your talents with medical mission trips, jobs, partnerships, uh, many of our ministry partners. Every week we put ministry partners in there. Are you serving, loving the Lord your God with all your strength? And that includes that you're doing something for the kingdom. Um, not necessarily with our ministry partners, maybe something else. Well, that's a good example. Lastly, loving the Lord your God with all of your treasure. Giving the first fruits of your resources, your treasure. I had lunch uh, two weeks ago with a, a young uh, man in our church, a uh, young uh, family man, couple kids, and great guy, lover of Jesus. And, you know, we were talking uh, about loving the Lord our God with all of our strength. And he says, basically, I can't give right now to the Lord. I can't give my tithes and offerings because I got so much debt. 
And really, I got so much debt is I'm going to get out of debt first, get to the position where I can give to God. Really, in love, is to say to him, listen, I think we got the principle wrong here. I mean, I know it's a great thing to get out of debt. It's a wonderful principle to live your life on. Live within your means. I mean, it's smart. It's biblical. It's right. But God doesn't say, wait to honor me when you get out of debt. He says, honor me now. I mean, immediately. Give to me the first fruits now, immediately. And see if I do not throw open uh, the storehouse of, uh, storehouse of heaven. Loving the Lord your God, very simply. With all of your time. With your time. You love him with your strength. What kind of time are you giving God? Does he get the leftovers? Does he get the once a week service? Are you committed to him more than just that? What about your talents? He's given you something. Maybe it's, maybe it's hospitality. Maybe it's a talent of writing letters. Write missionary letters. Take, take a neighbor a meal. God has gifted you some way. Love him with the strength of what you have. For the kingdom's sake. And oh, you'll find his pleasure. Not just that with your treasures. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get to a better financial position. Don't wait. Love him now with what he has given to you and be faithful. But really, that, that, that's the easy no-brainer. Uh, we talk about, listen, love God with the strength of your relationships, your marriages, your families. They're for Him. If you're single, love God with the strength of your singleness according to His Word. Love God with your bodies. I mean, it seems like we love our bodies. We always want to keep them strong. Love Him with all of our strength. Our bodies means keep them pure in today's day and age. Loving God with all your strength. But here's the, here's the kicker of this. What does it mean to love God with all of our weakness? John read in his prayer, 2 Corinthians 12. If you're there, if you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. Because Paul says some pretty amazing stuff here. Paul, what's happening is Paul has a thorn in his flesh. It's a, a messenger from Satan. Um, I mean, he's gone through so much and he's pleaded with God to remove this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. There's been a lot of wondering what it might be. That's not the point here this morning. And he's, he's wrestling with uh, uh, his weakness. He says some most amazing things. But again, he says in verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Unbelievable. Paul is saying this, I'm going to boast in something. I am going to boast in the fact that I am weak. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about your weaknesses? How do you feel about those things that don't just quite measure up? How do you feel about those things in your life that you will say are weak? For me, I loathe them. I loathe them. I don't want to have any weaknesses. I don't want you to know that I have any weaknesses. I don't want to display any weaknesses. I'm embarrassed of them. I want to have strength. We've been taught in a country like this that your real man is strong. Show your strength. Hide your weakness. So what in the world did Paul have? What about the gospel set him free to the point where he was able to say, not only am I comfortable in my weakness, not only will I not necessarily not hide my weakness, what in the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ in Paul's life did he says, I am going to boast about weakness? I think there's two things that he learned. 
Two things that he learned that, were, that we got to learn today. First thing is this, Psalm 18.1. Psalm 18.1 says, I love the Lord my God. I love the Lord my God. I love the Lord my God. Why? Because He is my strength. He is my strength. And then you go, not only does the Lord have to be our strength, the Lord has to be our sufficiency. It's 2 Corinthians 3, and if you remember, we started the year with this journey to wholeness. We talked about uh, uh, how do we become whole? How do we live our lives unveiled before God? How can we know the truth? It's knowing the fact that Jesus is sufficient. Do we believe that? That Jesus' righteousness is enough for our Father to love and accept on our behalf. That we can be before Him broken people who messed up. But you know what? If you're in Christ Jesus, you have the righteousness of God. Jesus' righteousness is sufficient for you. If you're a child of God, Jesus' blood was sufficient for your sins. He washed all of them away. The power of the blood was so amazing, it takes the foulest sinner and in God's sight makes us clean. Makes us radiant and beautiful. The reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, is that Jesus is our strength, that Jesus is our sufficiency. So now that we have this amazing power to live our lives unveiled, that we can tell the truth to each other, to what says in the mirror, to the world around us, yes, we're broken. Yes, we're fallen. Yes, we're damaged. Yes, we have this in our life. But look at all the weakness. Guess what it points to? The cross of Christ Jesus. Guess what it points to? But I'm loved by the King. I've been set free. Jesus is enough. You see, the absurdity of the Gospel is Jesus gave up all of His strength to claim us as His own. Isn't that amazing? God Almighty, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who spoke everything into existence, who holds everything right now in existence, He became weak. He became weak and the foolishness of the cross. Hanging naked on the cross to show us what power really is. And now he says, I want you to do the same. I want you to pick up your cross. I want the gospel to set you free so much that you're okay with your brokenness. You're okay with your weakness. You're going to live for me. Live your life with an unveiled face. The gospel should set you free to say that he is sufficient. And now... Live your life with freedom to four others. And that's why Paul, because he got this gospel soaked into his DNA, into his core, and he realized, you ready for this? That even the things that were broken, even the things that were wrong, even the things that are weakness, guess what? Jesus shined more clearly through that. He didn't shine as clear through Paul's strengths. And oh, how I want Jesus to shine through my strengths. Shine through all those things that I could take credit for, that I could look good with. But, oh, Jesus, you want to use my weakness, and he wants to use yours too. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ should really produce those two things. A love for him that he is our strength and he is our sufficiency. We find God's grace sufficient in our weakness. Listen, if, if you're strong enough, if you're strong enough, you'll never know that God's grace is sufficient. If your strength is sufficient enough, for some of you, your strength is sufficient enough to get all the way through life and all you need Jesus through is to help you get through the finish line. 
just to get you to that other side. And if that's the reality, the only Jesus you need is one there at the end. For some of you, your strength is going to be sufficient to get through life, except for when you fall in those battles and those foxholes, and now all you need is a foxhole, Jesus. All you need is a, really, a Jesus that's really there for some really hard times. But Jesus himself came and walked on this earth and says, I can do nothing without God. I can do nothing. And he says, I'll do all things through Christ. He's basically saying, I want to, in your weakness, be sufficient and strong. I want to show you what I could do in and through you. I can do all things. Christ's strength is most clearly seen in our weakness. Isn't that true in your life? It was Katie's cancer ordeal. It was a situation I couldn't fix. That Jesus was the clearest and the strongest. And just this last week, your staff got together and we we're going through gospel and life with Tim Keller because we can't do it on Sunday mornings. And man, the gospel setting us free. And we all, each one told the story of how our life was messed up and broken and hurting. And it was in that weakness that Jesus was most beautiful. And we realized that his grace is sufficient. His goodness is real. And we can trust it, not in our strengths, but in our weakness. Is he being seen in your weakness? It's amazing. It says God's strength is perfected. It's perfected in weakness. Is that a crazy story? We read it. My strength is perfected in your weakness. Basically saying, I'm going to prove to be true through your weakness, not through your strength, through your brokenness. Trust him. Lastly, We'll close with this last thought. It's amazing. He says, in your weakness, my strength will dwell. Interesting Greek word, dwell. Same word as John 1, 14. You ready for this? The word, Jesus, became flesh. And guess what he did? He dwelt among us. He dwelt, which really means he pitched the tabernacle. Canopied, overshadows, God with us. And here's what he says to you, Orangewood. Here's what he says to this church. The gospel of Jesus Christ should set you free. You don't have to hide your weaknesses. That is where I want to perfect my strength. That is where I want to prove my grace sufficient. And that's where I want to dwell in your life. That's where I want to set up camp. That's where I want to pitch a tent and live right there and show you my power. And I just think we sometimes get it so backwards. Yes, love the Lord with all your strength. Give Him the first fruits of your time, treasures, and talent. But love Him with His weakness. And let the gospel be so strong in your life that you can declare that with an unveiled face, I am a broken sinner, but I'm loved. Oh, how I'd love for you to love my strength. But the reality is, may Jesus be seen in our weakness. And may it bring great glory to our God. Love them, Orangewood, with your strength. And let the gospel set you free to love them with your weakness as well. Let us pray. Father God, I, I just confess that much of my life is, is lived complete opposite of this truth. I, I was so struck with Paul's words this week. I mean, I, I was I, it, it just a complete game changer. 
I get the fact that you want us to love you with our strength. It makes sense that you say, give me the first fruits of your time and your talent and your treasures. And God, if that was all we had this morning, that's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty easy. But you want to show us through the amazing beauty and, and majesty of your word that, that Jesus wants to appear as so beautiful in the midst of our brokenness and our weakness. That your, your strength is perfected there. That you dwell there. Your grace is sufficient there. But we don't necessarily believe that. Father, I pray for your church here that you love. I pray that we will become more like our brother Paul, who was set free by the Gospel and was truly transformed to become more like our Savior Jesus. God, I pray that Orangewood would continue to become a safe place for us to unveil our faces, to tell the truth in love, and let the power of Christ dwell here, even in the midst of weakness. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.